Hello, and welcome to ASMR Tirar de Huevo. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, the planet Earth takes a giant leap forward. Dr. Andrew Michaels is watching over the launch of the planetary space fleet and gathering data on the connection we find between the alien solar system and ours. Welcome, please. Come in and make yourself comfortable. No, no, I know. I know it's a little bit frightening talking about the launching of planet Earth's first star fleet. I shouldn't say star fleet, I should say space fleet. After all, we're not Star Trek, are we? And it's quite frightening. We have a huge atomic-powered megaship, the Orion, and we have two smaller ships that go along with it, that it actually carries along on the journey out to the outer planets. The Eagle and the Talons. I didn't agree with the names, but I do like them. The Eagle looks like a bird of prey and can enter the atmosphere of a planet that is semi-Earth-like. The Talons, of course, is a morsh of a ship of war, shaped and designed basically as a weapons platform. I don't know if I like the direction we are going with this space fleet, but it should work. for the project we have at hand. And that project is somehow brokering a peace with an alien race that believes in settling things in combat arenas. I, I don't know if we can succeed, but it is worth a try. Now that the ships are assembled in Earth's outer orbit, the actual Orion will carry the other two ships. They only use a limited pulse drive and would take too long for them to reach Jupiter. What we need to do is carry those two ships, and then once they get into Jupiter's orbital range, they can disembark from Orion and do their surveys and perform their own tasks. Once we get to Jupiter, we will start searching for any alien technology or any kind of alien devices or any 
anomalies in space that allow the invasion of our solar system. We're not sure how they get here, but we do know that their propulsion systems are not much more advanced than our own. They do not have a star drive system that takes them from their solar system directly to us. They use some kind of transportation portal, a folding in space, or some kind of wormhole. We're not sure how they do it. But we must get to the bottom of it. As we leave Earth's orbit, the sun and the Earth slowly shrink away. Our small island Earth becomes smaller and smaller. We are truly alone in the dark vastness of outer space as we approach the asteroid belt. The massive thrust from our pulsing atomic engine exploding one atomic bomb after another to force the ship along, pushing it literally on a large pusher plate is an amazing thing to witness. The ship is reaching nearly 10% the speed of light and our journey will be very, very fast. The idea is to get there as quickly as possible so we accelerate to a point and then the rest of the trip is decelerating on your way there. Fantastic measures have been taken to preserve the safety of the crew and protect them from space radiation plus the radiation from the motor drive of the ship itself. This was achieved by creating an artificial magnetic core around the actual service, not the service, the crew compartment of the ship keeping it well away or well away from the service and engine modules of the ship. The crew compartment has about a 10% gravity field, a little similar to walking on the moon. Not quite as close to the earth of one G and it does simulate gravity to the point where people can walk along corridors and stand at their workstations if necessary. People on the ship are still able to jump a great distance or leap out of the way if they need to. It's just like being on the moon. And it has caused some problems because it's kind of hard to run down a corridor. You can walk down a corridor once you get used to it. But to run down a corridor is not quite as easy as you think. The crew was experimenting with weights on the ankles and on their shoes, heavier weights to keep their feet weighed down so that they would walk a little better in the 10% gravity field. 
and it seemed to work. It's funny how ingenious and inventive a human being can be when they're put into a situation that makes them uncomfortable. They immediately start trying to come up with solutions to make themselves more relaxed, more at home. The ship reached its maximum speed out past the asteroid belt and started the deceleration project process. Amazingly, in that very short time, the ship had to start decelerating so that it could enter into an orbit around Jupiter, Saturn, I mean. I'm all over the place. I think it's because in all of this scientific endeavor, I haven't been taking care of myself like I should. I need to see my family doctor and get my blood pressure medication adjusted. I also need to see my dentist. I just broke a molar in the back of my jaw. It isn't causing me a lot of discomfort, but it's not the nicest thing to deal with. And I need to take better care of myself. I never thought a spacecraft would be musty and smelly. But it is. And dealing with those conditions has flared up my allergies quite, quite a lot. My eyes are bothering me more than usual. And I'm hoping they will improve as we get closer to Saturn. I see myself looking out the window. The observation towards Saturn is a most beautiful sight to see as it looms larger and larger in the windows of our ship. We will be entering orbit soon. And to see the grand moons of Saturn is something I think every human being should have a right to see. Another planet so massive it has four Jovian moons. Massive moons with active volcanism on them. Large hidden frozen oceans possibility of life on another planet. It is something. I remember being back on Earth, sitting alone, watching trains coming by, and in the station waiting on my train, I would think sometimes on what it would be like to discover life on another planet, only to find out later in life that an alien race found us many, many, many ages ago, that they have effectively dismantled the civilizations of this planet over millions of years, caused disruption to life on our planet, caused mass extinctions caused devastating destruction and turned many of the races on planet Earth 
into warrior-like cultures, hoping someday to fend off these attacks. By combining all of our technologies, by combining the information that we knew, we knew exactly where to look, where they came last time. They did detect it with their radio telescopes. And now we are starting to enter an orbit that will bring us into range and proximity of the signals we got when they first arrived and were detected. We need to zero in on that area and figure out how exactly they are doing their travel from their galaxy, their solar system to ours. And it doesn't take us long as we look. With some of the sharpest scientific minds and the entire planet Earth reviewing our data as we send it back at the speed of light, the people of Earth quickly realize that there is a conduit between our solar system and theirs, some stable rift in time-space. We can sense it. We can even photograph it in certain light spectrums, but it's not visible to the naked human eye. By spraying a cascade of radiation over the area, we are able to see it visually, a light aura, a small hole, a rip in time and space. How it exists, how does it work? It will take a millennium for our scientists to figure it out. But the fact that we were able to not only detect it, but find it, is a remarkable achievement. There were a lot of ideas. Do we go through? Do we wait? Do we try to activate it? Do we try to destroy it? What actions do we take at this time? Destroying it may cause a chain reaction in space-time fabric and may damage our solar system, destroy the reality that we know. Traveling through it might put us in any place in the known universe. We don't have any way of knowing where we're going to appear. So many unknowns, the best option is to send a probe through and see what happens, a small robotic probe, and just get an idea of what we're dealing with. And just in case it activates, we have experts on the alien races themselves, and if we can detect anything through the hole, and the biosigns are correct, we'll know we made a connection to their specific world. And in that case, we want to send our ships through immediately to broker a deal with this race. As we send the probe towards the portal, it does something unexpected. It literally blinks 
out of existence. We have no telemetry, no readings, no signals from it. It's totally gone. Within moments of this happening, the portal seems to erupt in an energy flow. It opens up. It opens up very, very wide like a blossoming flower. And out comes a ship, the actual alien ship that was predicted to arrive soon, suddenly appears at the edge of Saturn. Everyone is in shock, dismay. You can literally look through the portal and see the world where they came from. Did we cause this, or was it just a chance encounter? Without waiting to decipher the issue, our own ship powers up and flies towards the hole. The startled alien ship does seem to detect us and turn to face our ship, but doesn't react. We manage to enter the hole, and our space fleet is now on the other side of the universe. Nothing stands between our world and their invasion ship except the brave crew of the Talon. They position themselves between the portal and our ship, blocking the entrance to the alien vessel. The alien vessel, seemingly unperturbed by the entrance of our ship, does an about-face and begins to head towards Earth, their motors on full drive. The Talon is left monitoring the hole by itself, and confusion erupts amongst the crew. It was like we were insignificant. They didn't even challenge us. They didn't even try to make a communication with us. Could they not even see us? All these questions are unanswered and in the outer reaches of space dealing with an alien race. All of these things, you begin to apply human feelings and emotions and ideas to them, not really knowing the true intentions of the race you're dealing with. This can backfire in the worst of ways. And sadly, the crews of all three ships were left completely without any answers. On the other side of the wormhole, the great Orion spaceship, with Eagle in tow, entered into orbit around this alien world. They had one moon, just like Earth, and a sun in a very similar style slightly larger than our own. It was a highly developed planet. Many, many lights upon their world. Cities could be seen. 
great megacities. Great civilization had built up there over the millennium. And there were orbiting ships. Would one of them, by chance, come and greet us? It was almost like they could care less that we were there. Couldn't they see us? Didn't they know and detect our presence? The scientists of Earth were tracking every movement, the speed, the trajectory, figuring out where they were going to enter into orbit around Earth before they even got past the asteroid belt. Yet no one seemed to be concerned with us even being there. How could this be possible? Orion sent back all the data it could and released probes all through their solar system. A hundred robotic probes from Orion erupted from the surface of the ship in different trajectories, all on information gathering, all non-offensive probes with the intention of gathering every single bit of information on our enemy. All of our probes were totally ignored. How could this be? The only thing left for us was to try to land on their planet. Our champions on the eagle bird of prey, departed Orion and began a slow deceleration to enter into the atmosphere of the planet and land. Fearing the worst, weapons at ready, they entered the atmosphere while Orion stayed guard in the, in the orbit above. And the eagle landed without any provocation without anyone batting an eye. How could this be? This is impossible. As information flowed back to Orion from the Eagle, the Orion was gathering information from the probes. And it was sending it through the stable, ripping space, back to the Talon to be relayed to Earth. Earth was sending signals the other way, saying, no contact, no um, immediate threat, no visible weapons being charged, nothing. Around the exact same time, the eagle lowered its landing gear and set foot on the planet. A small group of alien warriors appeared near the ship on a hill not far from where they landed. Diplomats from the eagle exited the ship. The atmosphere was similar enough to Earth's that they could breathe the air, but they chose to wear suits 
to protect themselves from microbial life and contamination. They tried to wave and signal to the men up on the hill. They did not signal back. Finally, the captain, making an idea in his mind, saying, Look, there's actually five warriors on that hill. We sent two diplomats out. Let's have them stand aside and send our five warriors out. See if the reaction's a little different. The diplomats moved to the side. The five warriors exited the ship and took up a position on the ground in a defensive posture. And immediately, one of the five warriors on the hill began to walk down towards the ship, bristling in armor, weapons at the ready. They don't look human-like, but you could almost see a smile on the face of the warrior as he got within range to speak. He eyed up all five warriors and then, in a strange way, spoke to their minds, not with a vocal voice, and said, Finally, finally, you are here to challenge us. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tierra de Huello. Remember to stay tuned for the next installment of this story coming soon. When you have a moment, please take the time to rate and review this podcast. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash de Huello. The theme song Atlantis is by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardohuello at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you. <laughs>